0: Hello, it's so good to be with you all this morning. I'm Lulu, I'm on staff here at KXC. I'm also an artist and I'm married to Tim, who you'll have seen around. He's preached at the morning service a few times and he sometimes has a beard and he sometimes doesn't have a beard. Um, I'm trying to work out which one I prefer. I don't know yet. Um, so in case you haven't heard, this summer Tim and I will be moving to Bow to lead a church there in East London and we're beginning a new chapter in Bow Church and Tim's becoming a rector and KXC is sending a team of people to join in with the mission and ministry there. Um, believing that God will lead us to be part of resurrection life for that area and if that's something that makes you excited or you feel you might want to find out more about joining in with, come and have a chat to me. Or send him an email. His email's on the website. So since January, we have been sensing that God is doing a new thing. It says in Isaiah 43, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. See, it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And it seems like God is promising that to us at this time, that he's doing a new thing. And so we have decided to cancel all the preaching plans and look at the Spirit and really like focus in on who the Spirit is, who He is, what He does, how He moves, and how we as a church can host more of His presence. And so we want to equip ourselves to hold him, to be containers of his presence, and to then be able to take his life out to the world around us. And so the last two weeks, Pete Hughes preached a blinder both times. on first, who is the Holy Spirit, and discovering that he is a he. He's a person, and that he's one of the three parts of the one God that we believe in. He's not to be molded by our wills. And the second is that, um, was, what does the Holy Spirit do? And the Holy Spirit is the miraculous, miraculous, creative part of God who gives us extraordinary gifts. So I recommend you listen to both of those online. And we'll be learning more about these gifts and the things that the Spirit does in detail um, in the later weeks. But today we're talking about how we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. How we can be filled and how we can live a life of being full. That it's not just a one-time filling, but it's a continuous living life, knowing him, following in his steps and being full. So if you've got a Bible out, just um, get it with you. I'm going to jump around scripture a bit. We're not going to open it yet, but just have it next to you. So some of you already know this, but I'm going to tell you a little story about me. Although I had a background in Christianity, I didn't really meet Jesus properly until university. And this was totally extraordinary. My whole world was blown open. But there was something about meeting Jesus that it felt like there was more of God to have, even though I knew Jesus. People just started talking about God had more for us, that we could be filled with more of his presence that we didn't just need to know about him, but we could experience him for ourselves in our lives. I've been around people who'd heard his voice, who'd had pictures and words, and then had prayed for people and been able to encourage other people, whether they knew God or not. People had told me about praying for healing, that they would feel heat or tingling, and then people would walk out completely healed. And it seemed that somehow there was more, that Christians could know God, but also get to know him better. And that there was this creative, active, powerful, miraculous part of God called the Holy Spirit, who I could know as my friend. It seemed that Christians being filled with the Holy Spirit was intimately connected with everything that God had for us as individuals, for his church, and for the whole world. And that by getting more filled with his presence, we would be more his hands and feet For the world, that we'd see justice on earth, that we'd see his miraculous power, and that we'd get to hear his voice for the world around us. And I thought I wanted that. So one day at church, the pastor spoke about the Holy Spirit, about being filled, about who he was. And he invited people who hadn't knowingly been filled with the Holy Spirit to come and kneel at the front. And I went and I knelt and I waited. And at first, I felt nothing, and then, as I waited, I experienced his presence filling me very gently. It was very peaceful, and then I started shaking slightly, and then my whole body became very hot. And after that, whenever I could, I kept asking him to fill me and being filled, waiting in his presence in worship at church or in my bedroom at home. I would ask him to fill me and would find myself being filled. And the more I was filled with his presence, the more I felt him physically filling me, the more heat, which is really fun because I'm cold all the time and I hate being cold. And then lots more shaking. But it came with other things too. I began to pray and see people healed. I heard his voice for people around me and he began speaking to me about the world around us. I was able to encourage others as I prayed for them. Sensing what he was saying to them and seeing those words like being really relevant for people's lives. I felt this deep, deep sense of love which I feel every time I'm in his presence. And that has slowly taught me that I'm extraordinarily loved and I'm still learning that. When I spend time in his presence, I remember that I'm his daughter, so I don't need to be afraid that I reign with him and that these promises that I read in scripture become real to my life. They become colorful and 3D rather than boring truths. The thing is, the spirit changes us from the inside out. From seasons of being fairly wild at university, he opened up a new wildness in my life and a new freedom. One that was committed to him and to his church for me, freedom looked like losing the fear of what people thought of me, of particularly what my friends thought of me if I gave my full life to Jesus. I, um, I stopped smoking. I was smoking. I was sort of chain-smoked for a year, about 30 a day. And um, in a day, I stopped smoking. Um, and he also, I mean, there's other things, but I thought you'd enjoy that story. Uh, he also gave me confidence to hold my ground when I was afraid. I stopped drinking for a few months, and I began to waste time in his presence and be more and more involved in church. Even that was really baffling to a lot of my friends. Ultimately, he makes me brave. I've been changed by spending time in his presence. Sometimes in a moment, like lightning, things are just different when you walk out. And sometimes over weeks and weeks and months and months, when he's building something very deep or very delicate. But both is the same spirit. Both is what he does. That's what the Spirit's done and continues to do in my life. And when I sense his presence now, there is genuinely no place that I would rather be. So today we're taking time to learn how to be filled, and what it means to live a life full of his presence. It's very practical. And I won't speak a lot about who he is or what he does. But in case you need the headlines, and while I'm talking, you're like, why, why, who, why? Uh, Here are the headlines. The Holy Spirit is one of the three parts of the one God that we believe in. He's a person. He's not an atmosphere or a vibe. So he can't be commanded or cajoled. When you speak to him, you're speaking to God, to Jesus, to the Father. Because he's God... If you know Jesus, you already know the Spirit. It's only by the Spirit that we know Jesus in our lives. So all Christians have the Spirit living in them. This also means that we'll never experience the Spirit as different to Jesus' character. And if you see anything that you think is the Spirit that's different to Jesus' character, it's probably not the Spirit. Because he's a person, and this is the main thing I want you to take from today, is that we're invited to have a relationship with the Spirit. This means being filled with him continuously, not one-off, but continuous. Like with our friends, we keep meeting up with them or messaging them on WhatsApp groups or going bowling or whatever you do with your friends. With the Spirit, we continue to spend time with him and get to know him. And to find out what he does, we get to look at Jesus. Jesus. So Jesus was baptised and filled with the Spirit. And in his first public talk, he read out Isaiah 61. So that's in Luke 4, if you've got your Bibles there. Verse 18, he said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. So as I speak about being filled, keep this in the back of your mind. The being filled is for bringing the lost home, establishing justice, liberating people from captivity, healing the earth, and a whole host of other brilliant things like miracles and prophecy and things like the feeding of the 5,000. That was done by the work of the Spirit. Jesus multiplies food. When the Spirit's present in power, extraordinary things happen. You see, the Spirit is the deposit of the time to come. This is what theologians talk about. That when we're filled with the Spirit, we're being filled with the future. And then we get to bring the future into the present. So when we act in the power of the Spirit, we're bringing the kingdom to earth now. And it's an extraordinary calling that Christians have. And this means that there's actually a cost to not being filled with the Spirit. There's a cost to not being filled. When we choose to sit on the sidelines, we actually lose out. We don't experience the fullness of what God has for us as individuals, but we also prevent the world from experiencing the healing and salvation it desperately needs. Less people get saved, culture never really gets transformed, and we wonder why this Christian life sometimes looks a bit grey. There's not an absence of hardship with the Spirit, but a presence of power and the miraculous. There's a different kind of ease when he's around. And there's moments, regular moments of fast-forwarded activity. And KXE has a big vision. To see the lost saved, to see culture transformed, to see lives healed. And this is far too big for us. This is far too big for us. We can only do this with the Spirit's power. So... Let's get filled. And as I said, we want to talk about two things. One, how to get filled. And some of that, a lot of you will know. It's, I'll talk through kind of what we do when we come to the front in ministry time. And the second is how to live a life hosting his presence. So how can we be filled? It's very, very simple. The first thing we just have to do is to Ask. The Spirit is given to those who ask. So if you want to experience the Spirit, you only need to ask. And flip to Luke 11, if you're in Luke before. Verses 9 to 10 say, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. It's incredibly simple, and often we try to overcomplicate it. Jesus isn't just repeating everyone for poetic effect. He really means it. He's saying, ask, 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 and it will be given. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open. Everyone who asks receives. Keep on asking, and remember that as you come to be filled. Ask him. He's a person, so asking him invites him in, and he wants us to draw near and to ask him. The second is wait. As Christians, we believe that Jesus died to save us from our sins, to reunite us with our Heavenly Father. So after Jesus died, he rose from the grave, said he'd return to his Father, but he said to his disciples to wait in Jerusalem, that he would send the Spirit to them. So Acts chapter 1, that's a little bit further on in the Bible. Verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they're in Jerusalem. They're waiting together, praying. They're probably quite scared because the authorities just killed their friend. And then Acts 2, verse 2 Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They wait and then they're filled. And after this, the church is born from a first-century Jewish sect. Christianity gets catapulted out over the whole world. It's totally remarkable. But this is something to note. Their waiting was not passive. They're not standing in a queue like your average British person, waiting placidly to get to the self-service checkout in Waitrose. It's a kind of active waiting. They're not bored. They're a bit more like... Well, I've just discovered that Tim supports Spurs four and a half years into our marriage, which I say is a low point. Um, And (laughs) Spurs had a great, a great match on Wednesday night. Uh, They were in extra time. they were about to kicked out of the Champions League. I've just learned this all this week, just so you know. And in the sixth minute of extra time, they scored the winning goal that took them into the final. And I think the Spurs fans were there, like, no, 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 but waiting, leaning in. Could it be possible? Could it be possible? Could it be possible? And then there's a goal, and the stadium went wild. The disciples were scared like that, but their waiting was desperate. They were there in anticipation, just like the Spurs fans. And with that, they waited on him. So wait on him like that. Wait on him like you're late for a meeting and the central line is down. Or wait for him like you've had a really, really good first date and you've just sent a text saying, do you want a second date? And you're waiting for a response. Because we're waiting for a person, not an event, waiting for the Holy Spirit has this kind of vibrancy. Let him know that you want him. So when we come up to the front... We come, we wait, we ask the Spirit to come. And often then people, the ministry time or people in Hubs and Pattern will be invited to come and lay hands on us. We do this because it says so in the Bible. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus lays hands on sick sick people and as he touches them, they're healed. People get better and we're instructed to do this. Why? I think it's got something to do with fire. That if you catch fire... If you want to catch fire, you've got to find a fire. The Spirit sets people on fire. When you've been filled, you get to give it away. You get to fan into flame what God's doing in others' lives. And when you're praying for others, you're blessing what God's doing. So that's why we gather together like this. That's why we lay on hands. That's why us going to wildfires together is a really good thing. So if you haven't booked on and you're thinking about it, come along. Amazing things happen when we're together and when we lay on hands and bless what God's doing. The fourth thing is physical signs of his presence. That passage I just read in Acts talks about a violent wind filling the whole house, tongues of fire separating and coming onto each of them. They're filled, they begin to speak in other tongues. It's all a bit strange. And when God turns up, when he invades his creation, strange things happen. And later on in the story, um, people listening think that the disciples are drunk. It's strange. Something strange goes on with bodies. There's heat, there's language. But I think it would be actually weird if God didn't get involved. If he was like, I love you. and then didn't get involved. I also think it would be weird if God getting involved wasn't weird. That The God of the universe comes and meets people who laugh and snort sometimes when they laugh and trip up when they walk. When the creator of the universe decides to invade his creation, you'd hope it would be a bit unusual. I think I would. The spirit is described again and again as life and we need to remember that when we're filled we're filled with that life the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is coming into our normal bodies too it's bringing this extraordinary energy and power the bible describes the holy spirit as a wind that blows and the early christians talked about him as a wild goose sometimes when the spirit of god comes there are physical things that happen in his presence and you see people responding physically literally like a gale has blown through the room. People move a bit, they find it physically easy sometimes, easier not to stand up but to sit down or to lie down. People start breathing deeply like they're breathing in the spirit or make noise or get emotional. People have received the gift of tongues or sense God speaking to them. Sometimes they're very still or very peaceful. And sometimes there are physical manifestations of fire like me getting very hot. This is all experiencing the spirit, and we all experience him differently, and sometimes that's linked to our personalities, and sometimes it's also just the people in the room being people in the room. Not all of it's always God. But we get to remember that he's very, very good, and that it's all about him. Don't pursue him for his gifts or the way that he moves. Pursue him because he's your king and you love him. And When people fall in love, they sometimes describe butterflies in their stomach or their heart jumping but it'd be weird if we studied how to have butterflies rather than just pursuing the person who gave them to us in the first place don't cut yourself short of a new thing and what I love about being here at KXC is that we're aware of our heritage of the past but actually Pete and B are totally committed to the new the new thing that God is doing so let's do the same let's watch what the Spirit does and not get um, too bogged down by how he moves. But what's happening when we're standing at the front and people are shouting or shaking or any of the really uncomfortable things that seem to go on is that people are being healed in their hearts and their bodies. They're being set free from addictions and negative patterns of life. They're being given joy. They're being encouraged. We get redeemed. That means bad things that have happened get made better than they would have been in the first place. And often in the deepest, deepest parts of ourselves. That's why sometimes you just don't know what's going on. It's because God's doing a really, really deep thing. This is actually what's happening when people come to the front and there's strange stuff going on. And most of us long for this experience. But a few things get in the way, and I just want to list them quickly. I think the first is doubt. We think, will I actually receive? Remember that God says everyone who asks receives. And when we believe him, we're not actually just turning off our brains and getting stupid. We're just redirecting them to believe that God is who he says he is. The second is fear. A lot of us have been in environments where we've seen God moving and we found it a bit uncomfortable and we're not sure whether we want that to happen to us. But remember that God is good. He's wild. The spirit is wild, but he's very, very, very good. And he often moves in incredibly gentle ways. So don't fear. Remember that he gives good gifts. And the third is shame. I think somewhere deep down, we often don't think we're actually worth it. Usually, if we've done something bad, maybe the night before or the week before or just in life, we feel a bit crap. And we think we're not quite worthy to be in this room and especially not worthy to come to the front and be prayed for. Often we're not even that articulate. We just have this sense that it's not for me and we shut off. But when we do this, we forget what Jesus did on the cross for us don't forget that he died for you to set you free from your sins. He died so you could be forgiven and that means that when you're forgiven he's forgotten it. It's gone and he also comes into the bad thing. Like sin obviously has consequences. He also comes into those consequences and starts to redeem them for you and for the people who've been affected. Jesus doesn't say that he gives the holy spirit to the leaders or the good people or the weird people that the artists like me just really enjoy the weirdness of it all, or just to children or really mature Christians. He says, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Don't count yourself out of his best gifts. Count on him, ask for his courage, ask for his forgiveness, ask him to fill you. So I've just described what it means to be filled, to ask, to wait, to lay on hands, to receive his power, and what can get in the way. But what next? What after you've come to the front and you've received the Spirit and you've maybe made a noise, or shaked a little bit, or been healed? Is that it? In Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul talks about going on being filled That's actually the translation. It's the present continuous tense, and it's going on, carrying on, being filled. So we're not just called to be filled once, but continuous. We should be like sponges that are constantly sodden and constantly leaking. Jesus knew when he leaked. (laughs) There's a woman who's had internal bleeding for 12 years, who touches Jesus' cloak in the Gospels in a crowd. And he knows he's walking in a crowd and people are pushing up all against him. But he knows that someone has touched him and the power's gone out of him and she's healed immediately. He knows that. And so he regularly retreats up a mountain to pray and to be filled with the Father's Spirit. So we're invited to do the same thing. And the aim is to be constantly full and constantly leaking, constantly giving out and constantly replenishing. The more we leak, the more we get filled. Actually, I should have done that the other way around. Get filled first and then leak and then get filled. It starts with him. We have to go on getting filled. A friend of mine talks about living full and dying empty. That we get to the end of our lives and say, I lived full, I was fully full and I died having given it all away. So learn to host his presence and to leak out. Remember that there is also always more of him to be had. I think of it like water. When we walk around right now in the air around us, there are little particles of water that are gas, H2O floating around. You don't know that they're there, and the only way you can really engage with them is by thinking about them. But when water is in its liquid form, you see it and it starts as a trickle in a river and then it flows down and there's more and more and more and more of it. And then it flows into an ocean and you can't really pretend an ocean doesn't exist. And you don't really need to think about it when it's in front of you. It's just there. The Holy Spirit's the same. He's always there. He's always around us. And yet there are places where his presence gets increased. When he makes himself known in a room, you can't avoid him. And so if we want more of him, if we want to live a life of hosting his presence, we need to learn how. When we learn to host his presence, we become people who dwell with him. Not seeing him for a moment or just in gatherings like this, but living with him constantly. And so there's an opportunity here for each of us today to become people who he constantly rests on, constantly acts and moves around. So we constantly, not once a week or once every three months, but constantly see his miraculous activity. So briefly, I'm gonna talk about five things. Maybe, it might be six actually. A few things that help us host his presence. The first is welcome him. Imagine a bit like Anna was talking about earlier. Imagine what it's like when you have someone come to your home. You welcome them in. Imagine it's your favorite celebrity. For Tim, it's probably Deli (laughs) Alley. Welcoming Deli Alley into our home. We'd sit there, we'd be like, how is it playing football for Spurs? What was it like for England? Um, You wouldn't look at anyone else. I went to a party once. It was in quite a small house and um, Colin Firth was there, and uh, it was a Christmas party, and uh, the theme was, I can't remember the theme, it was Christmas theme, I was dressed as a Christmas tree, I had a green felt Christmas tree sort of outfit on, so it's flat trousers, green, it's like this. It's cut. It's sort of just cut and stuck together. And there are presents, like, stuck to the front of it. And then a matching felt little triangle hat with other things stuck to it. And I thought it would be really great if I made my face the star. So I entirely covered my face in gold glitter. So you couldn't see any skin at all. And I also, I didn't know anyone at the party except him. So (laughs) there was quite... Quite a few. There's quite a lot of time where it's just on my own. Tim likes sort of. You probably noticed he likes sort of doing his own thing. Um, so for for a while, I was standing there, and then Colin Firth arrives, and I just thought that I would take this opportunity to stare at him. <laughs> he, um, he um, my face is gold, and I'm dressed like a Christmas tree, and I've got no one to talk to. And frankly, he'll feel uncomfortable, but he won't remember who I am. So it's just like this. I don't know if if I ever meet him, I probably won't tell him that was me. But I think with the Holy Spirit, we get to welcome him in and then actively wait on him. A little bit like that. (laughs) When he's in the room, don't look at anyone else. (laughs) And obviously the gold face thing breaks down because he does know who you are. So the analogy is limited. So welcome him in. The second is time. Waste time in his presence. I think this is probably after have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Time would be, if you're going to take anything from this talk, this is the most important thing, second most important thing I want you to know. Waste time in his presence. You can do it in ministry time here and at home on your own or wherever you are. Make time and then waste time in his presence. Actively wait on God in silence and stillness. Lie down in his presence. Ask him to come. Do all these things that I've talked about. Wait and then wait again. Be attentive. Turn off your phone. I often helps me to not even see it for it to be in like a different room away. If something, have, sometimes it helps to have pen and paper. So if something pops in your head like, oh, I need milk, you can write it down and then forget about it. You don't spend the time thinking about milk. Um, carry on waiting, and as he begins to fill you, which he will, which he does, ask for more. Do this on your own. He's moving everywhere, but those who learn to host his presence in a way that's consistent usually do so by spending time alone with him as well as in community. So solitude is key. And this is important because all the great revivals and mission movements initiated by people in history were initiated by praying people, by people who knew how to spend time in his presence. You can spend time with him for the moments when you need him, when you're wrung out, when you're at the end of yourself, when it's been a bad day, and you're coming home to, I don't know, like four kids maybe, or whatever you come home to, and you just need time. Spend time with him then. I used to spend at uni, this is kind of where I learned I had a group of amazing non-Christian friends, but they found it really difficult that I'd become a Christian. And it meant that every time I was going to parties, it felt a little bit like I was walking into a war zone. And so before, I'd come back from pretending to work in the library um, and would spend time just in his presence for as long as I had before going out again. Do that, spend time with him. And we learn to know when we've leaked. When we've been kinder to someone, maybe we've prayed for a colleague, the natural result is feeling extended, feeling like something's left us. The reality that we've emptied ourselves and so we get a choice to come home and be refilled or go wherever you go and be refilled. Fight for his presence, spend time with him. And I I want you to know that you can be satisfied by his presence. I think a lot of the time when we're feeling down, I think we all do this, I do this, when we turn to Netflix or Spurs or, <laughs> I don't know, to name the classic ones, ice cream, or things that, shopping, things that make us feel better. But I want to challenge you to start, when you feel that desire, just have a go at spending time in his presence instead. It is actually the thing that satisfies us. It does actually satisfy us. He is that good. He can satisfy your deepest needs and longings. And then also at the start of the day, learn not to just come to him when you're at the end of your rope, but to, to start things off. How do you want to set up your day? Who do you want to be today? Whose do you want to be today? Who do you want to carry with you? What do you want to see? The third thing is worship. As we see when we're here, often we worship together and then at the end, someone stands up with a microphone and says... God's presence is with us. That is what happens when we worship. Worship creates a landing pad for God's presence. Praise him with words, with singing. You can read Psalm 150 and all the Psalms at the back of the book of Psalms are great worship songs that you can just read out. Tell him who he is. Say it out loud, not just in your head. His presence is drawn when his glory is proclaimed. The earth was actually made for it. Creation was made to hear the name of Jesus proclaimed. It's a slightly weird equation, but it seems to be what happened. We proclaim his name and his presence arrives. So worship him. The fourth is praying in tongues. I think we'll spend a little bit more time thinking about tongues another time. Um, But my experience of praying in tongues is that it's something that welcomes God's presence in an amazing way. It's a gift of the Spirit. It's a unique communication that each of us has with God. So each of us, our tongue is totally unique, like our fingerprints. Um, the Spirit gives it to us. And it's this powerful channel between us and the Spirit. I'm not going to say more about it now. But if you want to hear more, come and speak to me or one of the team afterwards. I'd love to explain it a little bit more. But I want to say, if you have it, use it. You're a mug if you don't use it. <laughs> And if you don't have it, pray for it. I do. I think that the Spirit wants to give this gift to everyone. He wants to give that gift today, I think, to some of you, but I think he also wants to reawaken that gift in some people who received it long ago and don't really use it. It's really powerful. Okay, the fifth is repent. Because knowing the Spirit is about knowing God, sin can get in the way of us experiencing God's fullness. So it can be really helpful to repent. And don't overburden this, don't overdo it. Just ask Him to convict you of sin and then simply repent. And repentance doesn't look like this, it looks like this. It's like this amazing, joyful turning around. That would have been better if I didn't have a microphone. Um, yeah, I won't do it again. And um, so simply say sorry and then know that it's gone. Like I said earlier, it's gone and then welcome His presence. And just a little shout-out in this section to fasting. Fasting is like repentance on speed. It basically breaks bonds in your life and makes space for power. So have a go at fasting some things. And it doesn't have to be food. It can be anything you can think of. Finally, join in. And this one's really about courage. On the streets or at work, when you see him move, join in. There are moments when you're just walking along, when I'm just walking along, and suddenly I'm feeling his, experiencing his presence. I'm like, the Holy Spirit's here. Why is the Holy Spirit here? What is going on? And often, you haven't done anything, but he's going, oi, I'm moving, get involved. I want to share it with you because I love you. Anytime you sense his presence, lean in. Hold him there, steward his presence, ask him what it's about, start to collaborate. Agree with what he's doing, say yes, and ask for more. The more you actively seek his presence on your own, the more you'll recognize who he is and when he's moving and then know when he's moving and what to do. Look out for people to pray for. Ask what he's up to at the start of the day. Often when I see someone around with an injury or crutches, I'm like, the spirit probably wants to heal them. Sometimes I go and ask them to pray for them. Sometimes I don't, depends on how I'm feeling, but the spirit loves to heal and he loves to invite us to collaborate with his presence. The spirit is drawn to courage. So I think of it like jumping off a building without a harness and not knowing what's gonna happen. And as you jump, the spirit puts a trampoline there and you get catapulted further on. That's what happens when we offer to pray for someone. It's scary. But the Spirit, when we do things that the only answer can be the Spirit of God, he's drawn to that. He's like, yes, I'm coming in. And again, I just want to say here, we don't always see healing, and that can be really painful. And I'm really sorry if you're going through unanswered prayer for healing in your life. Um, But I also want to encourage us to keep leaning into the potential works of the Spirit and what he does. So to finish up what do we need to do we need to recognize needing him we need to get hungry we need to come to the front again and again and again do that don't worry about the fact that you went up for prayer last week if anything is remotely relevant to your life come forward and get prayer i've i've spent years tim actually challenges me to not grow up too often and um there was one time I was a youth leader on a camp, and they did a call to people to come become Christians. But the way they described Jesus was actually me and a friend. We were both leading. We were like, "We want that," and we went forward to receive. And as we were there, realised that it was for the youth and for people to become Christians. Um, I don't know. It was good. <laughs> Diarize your hunger. Curate a daily habit of desire. Wake up early. Arrive early to work. Find a toilet cubicle in the middle of the day to pray in for five minutes. Take five minutes in your car or in a nearby heart park before you get home, if home is a busy place. If you've got a night in alone, spend it with Jesus. Be in silence or put on worship music. Turn off your phone. Leave it in another room. It matters. There's stuff at stake here. We get to be changed by God by spending time in his presence. And we get to bring his miraculous, creative, reformational life to the world.